This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast you out of Tampa Bay, but we're reaching you all over the country. That's right, Jim, we are, and we're very excited that we've had several people that have um, signed up for podcasts recently, and so I just want to just highlight that, that that's something that um, in order to stay connected, maybe you can't turn the dial on the radio at a certain time of day, but you can certainly sign up for um, our podcast on your favorite platform. And when you do that, through the end of the month of March, we are actually running a contest in partnership with the pockettestamentleague.org. That's ptl.org is their website. If you um, sign up for our podcast, then go to social media and hashtag Pocket Testament League and I Work For Him subscriber. You will then be entered in a contest to get 250 of your very own customizable Gospels of John that you can hand out. And they will work with you to um, design, make a design that that speaks to you and speaks to the people in the in the circle that you live in. And so we're really excited about that opportunity and hope that people will take this this time. Sign up for the podcast. Go to social media. Hashtag Pocket Testament League. Hashtag I Work For Him Subscriber. Yes, we'd love to have you do that. And as well, just give us some feedback. Go out to our, on our website. As long as you're out there signing up for the podcast, go out to the contact us. Just give us some feedback as to how you are enjoying the show. And maybe there's a guest you'd like to see us play. But thanks all of you to listen in all over Tampa Bay, all over to Jacksonville and the First Coast, and all over Hampton Roads, Virginia. Organ donations. There are currently 121,678 people waiting for a life-saving organ transplant in the United States of America. Of these, 100,000 of them are kidney transplant waiting, people waiting on the list. The median wait time for an individual's first kidney transplant is three and a half years and can, and varies depending on health, compatibility, and organs and things like that. In 2014, over 17,000 kidney transplants took place in the U.S., and of those, 11,000 came from donors that had to die in order to donate. 5,000 came from living donors. The issue that there's a million, there's a 350 million people in this country and everybody's born with two kidneys many more living kidney donations can be made you know over 3000 new patients are added to the kidney waiting list each month but 13 people die every day waiting for a life-saving kidney transplant every 14 minutes someone's added to that transplant list in four, in 2014 almost 5000 people died while waiting to get a kidney transplant and another 4000 became too sick to get the transplant we're talking about kidney donors living kidney donations today why because my buddy bill in minnesota he needed a kidney and i ended up being the perfect donor for my buddy bill do you know somebody who needs a kidney are you willing to give up part of you that can you can live without Part of me lives in Minnesota today while I'm broadcasting to you in Florida. Bill Boyson, along with your lovely bride, Marietta, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about this because I, I want to have a free-flowing conversation about it because I know that, Marietta, you were thrilled about being on the radio talking about this. But, <laughs> you know, Bill, you've been, you were sick for a lot of years with kidney disease, weren't you? 25 years. 25 years. And this ran in your family, right? Correct. It's hereditary. Okay. So, Marietta, how far into your marriage? Because you guys have been married almost 50 years, right? 
Yes, 48. Who's counting? Okay, 48 <laughs> probably seems a lot like 50, I imagine. When you found, I mean, when you married Bill, did you know that one day he would need a kidney transplant? No. Did you know that his family had kidney disease? No, I did not. Okay, so how much stress did Bill needing a kidney add to your marriage? Um, it was amazing. It was very stressful. Um, it was hard on, the, on Bill and I, on our children, our grandchildren. Um, so, yes, it definitely did add stress. So, Bill, you and I, about 15 years ago, right after I moved to Florida, you and I started praying for your donor because, yep. you got put, because you knew that you were looking at this down the road, didn't you? Yes. It was just a matter of time before they got to the point where they were failing so bad I'd need a new kidney or dialysis. So let's talk about that for a minute. So you knew that you were going to get to the point of needing that sometime, but what were some of those signs? What were some of the things that you knew it was getting a little bit worse and that you were getting closer to needing to do something drastic? Well, at an age of about 52, my kidneys started mutating or getting very large, and um, they everything they test your kidneys with is called creatinine. And my creatinine started creeping up from 1.3 to... 1.6, 1.7, then it got into mm-hmm. the twos, and then toward the end I was into the threes, which is the third stage of renal failure. So to help our listeners really understand the severity of this bill, not only that creatinine number was super, super um, high, but when you said they started mutating, tell people at when the last time you were with your kidneys, how big were they? They were 32 pounds apiece, the size of basketballs, each of them. I weighed at the time, I'd, I'd ballooned up to 310 pounds, and 64 pounds of it was kidney, and then they had to take some fluid off my lungs because mm-hmm. the kidneys were pushing into my lungs, my heart, and other organs. And uh, I had five pounds of fluid on each lung. Um, in, in 2010, the kidneys had gotten so big they crushed my gallbladder, so I had to have my gallbladder removed. Mm. So, yeah, it, so- was, uh, it was a battle. Well, you just think of all the people that have given birth, Jim, that are listening, and we think a nine-pound baby is big. You know, um, Bill, you had a lot of you gave birth kidney to 32-pound twins. Unfor- and thankfully, you didn't give birth to them, but right. that was well, a Well, you kind of did. Different... It was like a C-section birth, the 32-pound uh, twins. That's true. Marietta, in October of 2017, your husband, Bill, got put on the kidney transplant list. How hard was that? Oh. That was hard because it was a not knowing thing, not knowing if how long Bill was going to be on this list because they told us six, seven years before uh, he could get a cadaver. Mm-hmm. So we knew that this was serious, that we had no idea if there, if and when he would get a kidney. Bill, what was the prognosis? It, you know, if you... In October 2017, you didn't know that they were going to yank your kidneys out at that point in time. But, you know, what was the prognosis for you? You know, well, if you didn't get a kidney transplant, what was going to happen? Die. Hmm. Well, we're all going to die, though. Okay, so we're all going to well, die. Let's, let's my, 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 my kidneys would fail, and then I would have to go on to dialysis. And they were watching my numbers real closely from october 2017 because i'd gotten into stage three and stage four is renal failure if your creatinine gets to 4.0 and i was up around 3.6 and my my nephrologist was watching my counts we were going in every couple months for a checkup 
And then in January of uh, 2018, I'd hit that number, and we decided we'd wait just a couple more months and see if it would correct, and it didn't. So then they scheduled me in May of 2018 to have a total, both kidneys removed. Marietta, when you know, I, I would love for you just to share with the listeners as you guys are going through this process. You at, during that time between when you got put on the list and when Bill's kidneys were taken out, um, you know, you had some people going through uh, getting uh, figured out whether they could donate or not to Bill. But, but talk to the listeners about how you were praying and 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 what that looked like. What what was going through your mind? Well, it was tough. We we prayed a lot. We prayed with our family. We prayed together. Well, you know, show us what we need to do. Where do we go from here? Um, does you know we know Bill with kidneys removed would have to go into dialysis, and what would that all incur? You know, it was mind-boggling what to think as to what our, us and our family was going to do. And Bill, you were on dialysis. You started going on dialysis before they took your kidneys out. How awful was dialysis? Well, I tell you what, dialysis is hard to explain. Um, I never knew how trauma-filling it was. As far as the first time they did dialysis on me, it uh, it just blew my mind because they got to stick two great big needles in your left arm and try to get into a vein so that they can pump the blood in and out, and it goes in and out of your body about six, seven times in a four-hour period. And I also had to have what they call a fistula inserted. They did a surgery on my left wrist where they open it up and they take a, a vein, an artery, in the middle of your wrist and pull it up and join it with the blood vein pumping back, back towards your heart. When we come back, Bill will tell the rest of that story, and we're going to hear what really, the next part of this story. It's amazing. You're listening to I Work For Him as Martha and I are talking living kidney donations. And really... We're about ready to share something revolutionary with the audience because we're talking with Bill and Marietta Boyson today. Bill Boyson, a friend, Bill and Marietta, friends of ours for 30 years. We met because their kid got invited to church to youth group, and that's how we all got tied together. Well, our story runs parallel for a lot of years, and we've been friends a long time, but we're talking about Bill's kidney disease story and how he ended up needing a living donation. Well... You're going to meet that living donor here in just a few minutes. So, Bill, right before the break, you were talking about uh, the the pr- the process of getting prepared for dialysis. That was a lot of fun because they were like sewing and tapping and installing things all into your body to make you sort of bionic, right? Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't so fun. No, there's there's a lot of changes you go through once you're diagnosed that the kidneys have to come out. They schedule a surgery to do what I started to say before was a fistula, Mm -hmm. and that's where they join an artery and a vein in your wrist so that you have pumping, more pressure pumping back toward your heart to circulate your blood faster because you're on a dialysis machine. Jim's panicking. That's okay. I I can't feel my feet anymore. (laughs) Okay. So they they did that surgery. They had to do Uh, it twice because it didn't work the first time. Correct. But you started doing dialysis three days a week for four hours, but then Marietta had to drive you, and Marietta had to come pick you up. So that was really taking three days a week out of your life, wasn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely, because then after the dialysis, 
it leaves you with a very upset stomach, woozy, and you think you're going to get sick. And that usually lasts anywhere from 4 to 12 hours after the dialysis. And then you feel like you've ran a 26-mile marathon when they take you out of the chair. Yeah, you, you weren't wore out. But no muscle, no muscles from running that marathon. So when you were looking at a life of dialysis three days a week, what did life look like for you and Marietta, Bill? Very dim. Um, any chances of traveling or doing all the things we like to do came to an end. I mean, and Marietta, for, what was it? What did? How did you feel about it? Looking at dialysis, the rest of Bill's life, what did that look like? Um. It was very hard to look at a life like that because Bill's a very active person. That was very difficult for him, and it was difficult for me to see him going through this. So I knew life was going to change drastically. That means not going anywhere, um, being tied close to home because of dialysis three times a week. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys have six grandkids, right? Correct. And, and, and you're busy with those grandkids, but it wasn't the retirement that you thought you were going to get to have, was it? Definitely not. Okay. All right. Well, during this process, um, you made a lot of Facebook posts letting everybody know. Well, you and I were talking all the time, but you know, letting everybody know, hey, that um, you know, we need a kidney donor. And, and everybody's got two kidneys, and everybody can live without two kidneys. And um, so we put the word out there on Facebook, and we even did a show last March, almost a year ago today, where we did a show um, that told everybody you needed a kidney, and we had some people respond to that. Correct. Right? Correct. So, and there were actually, what we found out was that four people actually went, that responded, and one of them got to go almost all the way through before they got denied, but you ended up, they said, hey, we don't have a donor. Your doctor said, we're going to have to take your kidneys out. That was a big deal, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Mm. It was just uh, very deflating. You know, you're you're an active person, enjoying life, and then all of a sudden for him to tell you, you're going to go into dialysis three days a week, and unfortunately you're going to be ill three days a week. It just, uh, it was totally unexpected that it was going to be that bad. Yeah. Well, and I think the reality, when, you're, when, you, when you guys start um, spelling it out for people and saying, this is what it's like to go through this process, to, um, you know, we all drive by dialysis centers, but we, if we've never been inside, we have no idea Number one, what goes on in there and how hard that is, and then the going home, and then the restrictive diet and the other things. And um, one of the things, you know, I just, Bill, you are healthy in every other aspect other than your kidneys. And um, I think that's, you know, we know that that's very unique because that's not always the case. Um, People have other things that are complicating this as well. So, um, you know, we're just thrilled that that you didn't have anything else yeah, going it wasn't on ca- so. this kidney disease wasn't caused by uh diabetes it was caused genetically polycystic kidney disease which is why no family <clears throat> right so our audience to just to get you know because some of you may have missed a show where bill and i talked about this a little bit at the beginning of january but you know now that now that we are uh, six months or three months past your surgery date there's good news to share and, and really what you didn't know was that all along from October of 2017, Martha and I were praying about me getting tested to see if I could donate my kidney. But before we get to the rest of that story, we've got Susanna Gust on the line. She's going to share a little bit from, from the RN, from the nursing standpoint, of what does this all look like as she's, she ended up being my nurse advocate. Susanna Gust, welcome to I Work For Him. 
Oh, hi. Thank you. Nice awesome. to be here. Well, and I'm glad that you're on the air. This only took a little over a year to convince Susanna to come on the air. <laughs> it involved huge bribes, including a vacation to the beach in Florida. Yeah, right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, she's welcome anytime. Yeah, that's right. We she do is. know that. So, Susanna, just talk really quick. How, how did you know that the call on your life was to be a nurse? Uh, well, I, uh, let's see. I think that um, God worked through my mom as only God can do. He spoke to her. She thought that it would um, be a good fit. And so when I was kind of considering what profession, um, that that did make sense and it fit my personality. So moms kind of know you better than you know yourself at that <laughs> have you sure ever do. Have you ever told her that? Did you say thank you? You were right, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked about it, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, Susanna, how did you get involved in the Living Kidney Donor Program at Abbott Northwestern in Minneapolis? Oh, well, I worked many years in dialysis, and then um, there was a position opening um, with, way back when they first decided to separate out the teams, the recipient team and the donor team. Um, So they were creating that position at Abbott, and um, I uh, heard about it um, from the the nurse who was doing it temporarily, and so I applied, and here I am. How many years have you been in the Living Kidney Donor Program? About 10 years. 10 years. Okay. So you've been 10 years doing this. How difficult, I mean, so Bill Boyson needed a kidney. How many people on average does somebody have to like, so Bill needed a kidney. How many people typically have to go through seeing if they qualify before they actually, you find a match? Like, is it, is it five people that typically go through or 10 people? I mean, how many people does it take to find that match? You know, um, that is a great question and one that we're always asking each other in the mm-hmm. different transplant centers. Um, and sometimes a match um, or uh, a donor can be found, you know, with the first person who calls, but other times just continuing to get the word out that um, there's that need um, is important. So, you know, literally, you know, telling everybody you know and having them pass it on to their friends is super helpful. But um, uh, it's a um, pretty tough to be a kidney donor. Uh, so well, the more people that, that you tell, the, the better. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Because when I called you in October of 2017, right after Bill got put on the kidney, the kidney need list, he, he needed to be a kidney transplant uh, recipient. You sent me out a packet which had tons of questions on it. And we started the process, but I didn't get onto it right away. How many times do you send out packets and, you, and they don't come back right away? I mean, does that happen all the time? Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, people have an interest and they want to learn more. Um, maybe they've heard about kidney donation and um, they want to help the, their loved one or they're intrigued by the idea, but not really understanding, um, you know, all the testing and um, that takes place before someone can donate and what um, the donation really entails. Right. So they read up on it and maybe hold on to the packet like you did, or there are other people who um, send it back in, but once they kind of process through some of their lab results, realize, oh, maybe, you know, this isn't the best idea for me at this time in my life. You know, well, so... So let's, let's talk about that. So last August, and I know that you get excited about this, so I have to keep interrupting. I apologize because I want to make sure we get the good stuff out of you. You know, last August I called you, and I'm sure you don't remember because I know you take phone calls all day long, but I called you and said, 
Susanna, I want to go through the test. I want to see if I can donate my kidney to Bill. Did you? And I said, I'm willing. I'm willing to go all the way through. Did you ever have any doubts? I mean, did it even? Was I just another number on the sheet, or did you actually? Did God say this is probably the right one? Did you have any gut feel on that day? Oh, you know, um, I I didn't have a, a gut feel, um, but um, I my job really is to remain just completely neutral. So mm-hmm. it. The donor evaluation is very um, um, self-directed. The the patient directs the timing of the tests and um, and uh, well, abnormal values com- sometimes directs it as well. Sure. But I just uh, let the person go at their pace and follow along, and I stay very neutral in case they discover this is not right for them. Um, mm-hmm. It can be very disappointing, and so I um, need to make it okay for them to talk freely with me right because everybody does want the recipients to receive a kidney that's not the case but sometimes it's just not right for the person but when um you continue to direct it then you know then it it becomes clearer when we come back from the break we're going to talk through the process that i went through to become a living kidney donor and we're really talking with with my buddy bill and his wife marietta about Bill's story, who needed a kidney. And right now we've got Susanna Gust on the line. She is a nurse advocate. She was my nurse advocate as I called into Abbott Northwestern Hospital and said, hey, Susanna, I'd like to see if I can qualify to donate my kidney to my friend Bill. Susanna, this was quite a rigorous process. I mean, the first parts were, you know, just give a lot of blood, pee in a bucket, and, you know, make sure that initially it was good. And then it gets to genetic testing, and you asked a billion questions. And every time I talked to you, you kept saying, Jim, at any point in time, you feel uncomfortable with this, you can back off. I mean, is that just something you have to say? We do have to make sure that people understand it's a completely elective surgery. Most surgeries, when you weigh, you know, the pros and cons of it, you look at, oh, you know, maybe my elbow will stop hurting if I have surgery on it, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe my back will stop hurting. But with kidney donation, you take the risk of surgery, but there isn't a um, physical gain to that. So we have to make sure that people <laughs> feel comfortable going forward. And one of the things that you missed, one of the things that you missed in telling me about, hey, here's one of the side effects of donating your kidney, is your waistline is going to grow about an inch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we missed that. I don't think that is relevant. Oh, oh, it's relevant. My shorts are all a little tighter than they were before the surgery. Okay. No. So, Susanna, we're going through the qualifying process, you, you, lots of testing. You, you get Martha and I into Minneapolis to do the in-hospital testing, and it's quite rigorous. And we get to the end of the day on October the 9th, and I know I remember this date. It was, you came and said, Jim, you're as good a candidate. I mean, you're a perfect candidate for Bill to donate your kidney. After This is after three months of testing and all of this rigorous stuff we're going through. And then you said, but... You're 52 and a half, and you haven't gotten a colonoscopy yet. You need to have that done. Just so you know, and I wanted it on the record for the audience to hear, that was the meanest thing anybody's ever said to me. (laughs) And you know what? All the rest of the people have had to go through it, too, that are listening. That's right. Anyone who's 50 should totally be able to relate to you right now, Jim. That's exactly right. Oh, well, okay. So. How you know when you when we finally got this all qualified and you called me on November the second and said, Jim, we're a go. You can donate your kidney to Bill. When you when you make those phone calls, 
Are you are you worried that people are going to go? Yeah, but I changed my mind. I don't want to do this. Did that ever cross your mind? Oh, you know, um, no. At that point, usually I I do have a sense at that point of um, a person's passion for going forward, mm-hmm. and um, so um, it's really usually a very fun phone call to um, let them know, and then we always want them to be able to call their recipient, their loved one. Um, that on the flip side, you know, it's always disappointing when you have to call someone and say, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you're unable to go forward. That's devastating sure. news. So it's really, it's a very happy phone call when you mm. can say yes. That was that was one of those very cool things. And, and Susanna, when you get to make those phone calls and, and you knew we were moving forward, how, I mean, that's like your job is, it's not done. But it, you've taken it to the level. The next, the next job is just getting the person in there to do the surgery and, and handing it over to the um, uh, to the surgeon. If people are listening to the show today and they're like, you know what? I know somebody who needs a kidney. I'd like to get tested. You know, I'd like to get in there to see if I can help qualify. If I'm qualified to donate a kidney, Susanna, where do they go to find out if they, if somebody can donate a kidney? I mean, where do people go to find out? Hey, am I qualified? Oh, sure. So. Um... The donor always follows the recipient, so if they know someone who needs a kidney, um, they would just need to reach out to the transplant center that that person is working with. Um, but if they don't know somebody and they're interested in learning more, then they can reach out to their local transplant department. Um, and if they're in Minnesota, they could give me a call. Um, I would love to talk with anyone about uh, their interest in kidney donation or um, answer any questions. Um, and do you want to share your phone number with them so if they are um, local there to Minnesota, they can give you a call? Oh, sure. It's area code 612-863-8886. Excellent. Thank Susanna, you. what is the best part about your job? Oh, it's the privilege, really, of working with people who are wanting to help somebody else out and it's a such a rigorous evaluation and as you know so many questions and tests and consults and phone calls and you know um and so um we really get to know uh the the person and it's just such a privilege the uh donors are people who want to make a difference in someone else's life and wow so what a population that i'm working with Including you, Jim. Oh, <laughs> that was sweet. Susanna, we, I just, you know, we're going to say it in front of the whole audience. You were amazing. You yes. made it very easy for Martha and I to walk through this together as we prayed through this for almost, an, well, over a year. But you made it easy. You're amazing. And, you're, and you're, you, you, your life reflects the light of Christ, even though I know you can't talk about it all the time when you're, when you're in your office, but it does. It was so obvious to us that you were a believer and that you were on our side and that you had our best interest in mind, but also the best interest of Bill. You want to make sure that he had a good match so that he could live. So I just want to say thank you, Susanna. It's been amazing. And I, and I would like to encourage all of you listening, you know, when you get a wor- chance to work with a, a woman na- like Susanna to work through, can you figure out, can you donate your kidney? Because you can live with just one. Believe me, I'm doing it. Um, it is amazing. Give Susanna a call, 612-863-8886. Hey, Susanna Jim. Gust. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I would like to thank Susanna, too and say a big amen to just what you said. And Susanna, thank God that there's people like you in the world that can help 
us people with kidney disease find the mm-hmm. kidney we need. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and God bless you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Suzanne. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on I Work Frame. We look forward to seeing you at the Twins game on August 9th to celebrate living kidney donors. Thank and you, And we'll Susanna. be there, too. That's right. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you. It's so nice to talk with you. Bill, that day, November the 2nd, when I called you and said, Bill, I've been qualified to donate my kidney to you. At that point in time, I had never told you. I never told you. You knew somebody was in the pipeline, and we prayed together for that person in the pipeline, even though I knew it was me. Yes, we did. Uh, Which, I'm sorry. You know, I hate keeping secrets. but that's fine. When I called you that day, and you knew that you weren't going to have to face dialysis the rest of your life, what went through your mind? Well, you called me, and my oldest son, Brian, which was in your youth group, and that's how we met, and I were going up north to go deer hunting. He was. Uh, he set up a special stand because I couldn't walk very well in that. And when I saw you called, I put it on speakerphone right away so Brian could say hi, too. And you, you and Martha greeted Brian and I. And then when you told us you were going to be my donor, if I remember right, I said, what? <laughs> and you said, yes, I'm going to be your donor. Well, first you asked me what I was doing December 10th. And I thought we were yeah. going get to get to get together for lunch like we normally do. But then you said, no, you're coming to Minneapolis to Abbott. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I'm giving you a kidney. Brian and I both immediately started bawling because Brian knew what I've gone through because, you know, my, my family's very close. We've got three kids, and they're all very close, and their wives and husbands and grandsons. And we're all very, grandkids are all very close, and Brian and I just bawled, and Brian was just... He had to pull off the side of the road. He was so happy, but he, but yet he was crying because none of us thought that it was going to happen that quick. And, and really, when we looked at it, you know, I felt bad because I delayed getting qualified for really a very long time. But as it turns out, the surgery couldn't have been any more than two weeks sooner because they wanted you to recover for six months from them yanking your kidneys out. Correct. So so the timing was God's timing perfect. In my mind, I felt bad because I delayed it. Martha, give some perspective, and then I want to pull Marietta back in the conversation. You know, you knew we were facing something we've never faced before. Mm-hmm. Uh, me having surgery, me being, you know, laid up, which medicated. <laughs> me being and medicated <laughs> and sitting still. How, what yeah. were your thoughts going through? Because you, you had to give approval for me to do this. Well, you know, I had complete peace that it was the right thing to do. It didn't surprise me. You and I had talked about it for um, quite a while. And um, I think that, Jim, when we told one of our friends, Todd, he said it best when he just said, Jim, that is so you. And I, I think that there's anybody that knows you knows your heart of generosity. And um, this has just been one of the greatest expressions of that generosity to actually give up something of ourselves, something that is inside that, um, you know, most people would think you need to function to have it to function. We are so blessed to know that through all that rigorous um, um, exams that you went through and stuff, you are a very, very healthy person. Even drink a Mountain Dew once a day. (laughs) Even with that being said. um, And so we're, we're very blessed to know that and to be able to then um, move forward and say, you know, we, we want to go through this process so that, um, Bill can have a kidney that can function in his body and you will still function. And I say we, because it was very much a team effort. It was um, a team decision. It was a team decision. It was a team effort. The, tr- the going through the, um, all the process and travel and recovery. But I would, 
I would uh, I don't regret a single moment of well, it. Well, and there's so much to the backstory and how God provided for us. We were off the air for five weeks, yet none of you ever knew that because we kept it a secret. And but God had provided us a whole bunch of extra shows to play from all of our travels last fall to play while we were laid up, while I was laid up, and Martha was taking care of me. Marietta, are you back on the line now? Uh, you got, she can be. Uh, yes, I can, am. All right. So <laughs> when you found out it was going to be me donating a kidney to Bill. How, I mean, what was the reaction? Because you knew what life looked like, and you knew life was going to change. Tell them where you were when I called you. <laughs> um, I was in a taco's place, ready to get my lunch at Chipotle, and Bill called me, and he said, Jim Brandenburg just called me. I said, oh, that's wonderful. They're coming into town. And he said, yes, they're coming in, and he's going to donate me a kidney. And I said, what? He said, yes, he's donating me a kidney. And I started bawling right in front of this poor guy who was trying to fix my taco. <laughs> and he didn't know what to say. I think he thought, oh, I'm sorry, lady, I, I, I'm not doing anything wrong here. <laughs> but I was, there was a tears of joy, and it was just unbelievable. I got in the car, and I was talking to Bill, and I was crying, and I called my sister, and I was crying. It was kind of all afternoon, evening, crying, but they were happy tears. Mm-hmm. It was unreal. It was a miracle. I would, yeah. I would agree. I think it is a miracle. I think it's a miracle that 30 yep. years ago God ran our lives into each other so that 30 years later I could be ready to be the one to donate a kidney. And it's been an amazing experience. I tell people as we're closing out this segment, I tell people it's the greatest gift I ever got for Christmas was to donate my kidney. What an incredible thing to be part of. You can listen to I Work Room as we're talking about living kidney donations. We've got my buddy Bill who needed a kidney. He's on the line. Bill Boyson is. And you found out in the last segment, yep, I was the kidney donor. And what a privilege that's been. And we've talked about the whole process. We had Susanna Guston, my nurse advocate, who walked us through the process getting qualified. Well, now we've got on the line Dr. Paul Staler. He's a believer who loves Jesus and loves yanking kidneys out of one person and shove them <laughs> in another. Dr. Paul Staler, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you so much for having me. You know, what I think is ironic is last March when we did the show highlighting Bill's need for a kidney, we talked about living kidney donors. Um, you were a last-minute pull-in because the other guy, Bill's doctor, couldn't come on and didn't really know how to talk about faith and, and that kind of thing. And you came on. What's ironic to me is the fact that you ended up being my doctor that yanked the kidney out of me, and that was a last-minute like substitution thing because the guy that was supposed to got pulled into court for being on jury duty. You got the coolest job in the world. Dr. Staler, how did you know that the call in your life was to be a, living, be a kidney transplant doctor? Well, um, it's been a long journey. Uh, uh, it started actually when I was a third-year medical student uh, at the University of Minnesota, and I just so happened to be taking care of a patient uh, who was in need of a liver transplant. And um, uh, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I, I had uh, asked the transplant team if it would be all right if I tagged along and kind of watched the surgery. And, um, and lo and behold, uh, there we are at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, and I'm watching these surgeons take out this diseased liver from uh, a man um, and do this beautiful, intricate uh, operation, take out his old liver and put a new one in. Uh, and when they put the new one in and connected all the little blood vessels, uh, the liver pinked up and started working. And, and uh, that was sort of the first sign 
time that I took uh, from God that this was that this was something that I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and and from there, there were uh, a lot of other um, I think divine interventions uh, that uh, that ultimately led me to to where I am now. So, what is the coolest thing about about doing a living kidney donor transplant? I mean, yanking one out of me and shoving it in the bill. Yeah, he didn't go to school to yank anything. He okay. is very intricate. No. <laughs> and he took um, out, and he took out two of the largest kidneys I know about. Correct. I would. Yeah. So, uh, um, I think the story with with Mr. Boyson uh, and I sort of began probably about a year uh, a year or so ago, and and uh, actually I did yank out Bill's uh, native kidneys because of his uh, polycystic kidney disease. That was more of a yank. But what we did uh, uh, with you, Jim, was more was was more gentle than that. <laughs> Although I will argue with you, that first couple of days it didn't I, feel it didn't like feel it, right? like it was <laughs> gentle. <laughs> All right, so Dr. Staler, talk to people about living kidney donors. I now have been ninety days, three months without my other kidney. My kidney performing in Bill, the Arcrat numbers are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I have I feel just fine. We're back exercising. We've been walking, you know, since about a week after the surgery, mm-hmm. a mile or more a day. You know, let's talk about the reality of living kidney donors. Right. Is is how many people are actually pretty good candidates to do this? Well, um, uh, there are uh, a lot of people that are that are good candidates um, for for living kidney donation. Um, there are a lot of uh, issues besides just your physical fitness that uh, that ultimately play a role in in whether or not you can be a living kidney donor. Um, besides being otherwise you know, perfectly healthy and having normal kidney function. Um, you also need to have uh, the ability to uh, uh, take some time off of work. And, mm-hmm. and as you know, sort of from personal experience, that, that generally is uh, several weeks. Um, uh, some people don't have the ability to do that. Some uh, people, um, if, they're, if their friend or relative lives in a different state, um, being able to travel back and forth, uh, uh, that can be a barrier as well. Um, so... Uh, there are other barriers besides just uh, besides just your health status that ultimately uh, uh, some people um, are are not able to pursue living donor kidney transplant. So let's talk about you said something right before we got on the air that I guess I'd never even really thought about before. How um, wonderful it is that there are people that are willing to be um, donors if they were to um, dece- be deceased in a car wreck or something like that. But you were mentioning that living kidney donors is, you know, definitely a positive um, impact on, on both people. Let's talk about that. Why, yep. why, 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 why is one is better that? than the other? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, we do uh, over 20,000 kidney transplants a year in the United States, and uh, uh, approximately two-thirds of them come from deceased donors, uh, and about one-third of them come from living donors. The big difference between living donor kidney trans or receiving a kidney from a living donor versus a deceased donor is uh, that that kidney from a living donor starts working generally right away, even before we leave the operating room. Mm-hmm. And so uh, before we leave the operating room, that kidney is already working. It's filtering your blood. It's making urine, um, and as a result of that, then um, 
you know, within hours, your kidney function is improving, uh, your energy level is improving, uh, your recovery is much faster. Uh, typically, patients that get a living donor kidney transplant are in the hospital about three or four days uh, versus those that receive a kidney transplant from a deceased donor, which is probably more like five days to a week, just because we're waiting for that kidney to start working mm-hmm. and working enough uh, to be able to take them off dialysis. Well, one of the coolest things you share with Martha, when you brought out the picture of my kidney that you had ripped out of me and installed into Bill, was that before you were done, before it was done getting sewed into Bill, it was already working. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and there are a lot of things that go into it, but the big thing is that the amount of time that that kidney spends outside of the body uh, in cases of living donation uh, are, you know, periods of an hour or less versus mm-hmm. deceased donor kidneys uh, that may be out of the body for uh, up to 24 hours. Sometimes sure. they're traveling great distances. In the case of living donor kidney transplant, we take it from one operating room and we bring it next door to the, to, to the uh, recipient. And what I love best, Dr. Staler, is that you initialed in stitches your name on my belly. So this is fantastic. I think about you all the time. I did not the initial pe- my stitches. It was, it was my <laughs> Were you you worried that your like your your insurance company's listening? <laughs> Doctor Paul Staler, you did an amazing job, and you took a, a working organ out of my body, put it in, and you participated in getting it put into Bill. And Bill, how are you feeling today with my kidney? Oh, I feel fantastic. I feel twenty years younger. And talking about scars, Doctor Hill left a scar on mine incision of my new kidney in the letter J for Jim or That's Jesus, right. whichever That's one right. you want to take. <laughs> it's perfect. But no, you guys have great stories. Dr. Dr. Stoller removed my kidneys back in May, and I'll be honest, that was a tough surgery, and he guaranteed me that having the new kidney put in would be a cakewalk, and he was 100% correct. Yeah, and it is true. You were feeling better day two than I was feeling for sure. Yes. Dr. Staler, one last question. What is, you know, as people are listening to the show today and they're thinking, I want to be a living donor, but I'm kind of scared. Uh, it's, it's really amazing, though, isn't it, to be participating in living donor. I mean, to be able to, to see one life continue on and the other life come back, the other person come back to life. That's exciting to be part of, isn't it? It's an incredible experience, um, and uh, uh, I am just so incredibly blessed to be a part of it and to be able to meet people um, like you and Martha and Bill. Um, uh, that's what makes it so incredibly rewarding for me is that I get to see, I get to see people's health be restored. Um, and then in the case of the donors, um, uh, getting to talk with them afterwards and, and, uh, just hear how, uh, you know, how much that experience has changed them for the better. Um, it's, it's, I couldn't think of a better job. So it's a cool thing. Dr. Staler, thanks for being an I work for him this afternoon. Have a great one. Thanks so much. Have for a great day, Dr. Yeah. Staller, and thank, thank you, you very much. You're All right. Okay, so Bill and Marietta, as we look to August the 9th, the Twins, the Minnesota Twins have invited us to come share a little bit of our story in front of a packed stadium. I'm not even sure who are they playing that day, oh, Cleveland Indians. Was that what it was? I did look it okay, up. Okay, but Bill and Marietta, we get to share a little bit of our story, and I guess I want you, I'll, I'll let you guys just share from your heart. Speak, you because... You were first touched by living kidney donors because your daughter Nikki needed a kidney because she has this, she had the same issue with kidney disease. She got a living kidney donor from a friend of hers at work. Now Bill's gotten a living kidney donor. Speak, Marietta, you speak first to the people out there that are considering to speak really quick on why they should consider donating their kidney. Um, I guess consider because you're giving life back again to someone who is going struggling with a kidney disease. 
And it's very fulfilling uh, to see how wonderful our daughter is doing, how wonderful Bill is doing, and they can go on with their life and enjoy everyday things just like everybody else does. Right. Bill, what about you? Speak to those living kidney donors. Well, only thing I can really say is, like you said, there's over 100,000 people waiting for kidney donors. And to become a kidney donor... You're going to be that person's angel for the rest of your life. They're going to, they're not going to be able to know how to thank you because it's such a miracle. And if you know anybody, or even if you don't know anybody and you want to donate, like Jim and Suzanne said, you could call Susanna and donate to anybody. Right. You know, it That's doesn't right. just have to be to somebody you know. That's right. Bill and Marietta, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. We're going to be keep we're going to keep doing this you know, as long as we can, but thanks for sharing a little bit of your story today, and thanks mm-hmm. for letting me donate my kidney. Well, thank you for donating it, Jim. You're uh, my earth angel, and it was a miracle, and God led you and I together, I believe, 30 years ago. No yeah. one knew right. was going to happen. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace is our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.